talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, then there was one. We're now down to one team in our listening area from the conferences we cover. That, of course, being Lena Winslow, who's advanced to the state championship game. We'll also talk a little bit about the eight-man state championship game, which also ended up being a winner from our side of the state, that being the Polo Marcos. But Mitch, not just our area, but tons of great high school football to watch on Saturday. And me and you were trying to take in a little bit of everything. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, even on, on Friday, like you mentioned, the eight-man game, that, that was played on Friday. Uh, and you had a 4A semifinal between Rochester and Sacred Heart Griffin. Um, and so, you you know, I was able to have two screens going, one game on mute. And if, if one went to halftime or just to switch it up, you know, flipping the, the value back and forth. So, uh, and then leading into Saturday, obviously, Lena was the big game. But uh, it was exciting, as always, this time of year to see what teams advance and uh, who, uh, who gets to play one more time. Yeah, well, Mitch, we'll obviously talk a lot about Lena Winslow and their matchup with Carrollton heading into the state championship. We'll recap the eight-man state championship game. But Mitch, we'll dive a little bit into each one of the state championship games coming up and kind of how those teams got there. A a lot of great games. The Leonard Bowl, you know, Sacred Heart Griffin and Rochester was on Friday night, which you referenced. But you also had Nashville getting a crazy come-from-behind win. You also had Byron winning in the last seconds again for the second week in a row. A ton of exciting football. But Mitch, we're going to start with the the one team we got left playing on Saturday from our from our listening area. That's Lena Winslow, the team that, you know, we kind of thought might be here in this position way back when we started talking this season. Yeah, isn't it funny? Um, Because we thought that at the beginning of the year for obvious reasons. And even when they lost to Dupec, we still kind of thought, well, they're still the team to beat in 1A. And even when they lost to Forreston, you still kind of thought. Maybe, maybe not as much as you did, but you still kind of thought they're going to be, they're going to be fine. They're going to be okay. Uh, and sure enough, they, they are playing the best football. I think they have all year. Um, I think this is probably the toughest test that they've had yet. And then they, they passed, you know, uh, pretty, pretty easily after that first half got off to a little bit of a slow start, but it was a very good Ridge Ridgeview team. So um, yeah, not surprising in the least that we're talking about Lena Winslow again, as they uh, move on to DeKalb and trying to uh, defend their, their one AC championship. Yep. That's right. Well, before we get to that matchup in DeKalb, let's look back at the state semifinal game, which you referenced Lena Winslow gets the 28 to 12 win over Ridgeview Lexington. Mitch, they were entering the semifinals for the seventh time in 12 seasons. That being the Lena Winslow Panthers. They booked their trip to state for the fifth time, but Mitch, it wasn't quite as easy this week as it has been in the previous playoff matchups for them. This game was eight, six at the half. So let's break it down. Mari Roby and Ethan Fye would get Lee Wynn going a little bit in the second half after it was kind of, you know, hit or miss in the first quarter. They get down to the one-yard line. Quarterback Luke Benson punches in the quarterback keeper. They would get the two-point attempt as well. That would give them the 8-0 lead in the second quarter. Later on, Ridgeview-Lexington would get into Panther territory, but Benson, the quarterback, on the defensive side of the ball would come up with an interception at their own 14-yard line. Three plays later, the Panthers, though, are forced to punt. And Mitch, this could have been disastrous. The punt goes over the head of Lee Wynn's punter, He manages to scoop it up and still get the punt away. But in doing that, it gives the Ridgeview Lexington team some good field position at the Lee win 25. They convert the into, they convert the short field into points, but they missed the two point conversion. So that's what led to eight, six at the break third quarter Lee wins first possession. You finally felt like Lee win was you know, kind of getting some things moving. Mari Roby breaks free up the middle for a 20-yard touchdown. That makes it 16-6. to The very next drive, Lee Wynn would stop Ridgeview on a fourth down. Then they turn that into points, a long, sustained drive. They chew up some clock, capped with Benson on a seven-yard touchdown run. So, you know, Benson doing it, uh, you know, with his feet, getting into the end zone twice. 
That made it 22-6 at that point. Lee Wynn was well on their way. The final would end up being 28-12. Mari Roby leads the way with 143 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Luke Benson, Luke Benson, like we mentioned, that's that's a tricky sentence there. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he picked up two touchdowns and the interception. He also contributed on both Panther two-point conversions. Ethan Fye also paced with 68 yards on the ground. Mitch, Lena Winslow did a good job of holding Caden Farrell in check. That was the Ridgeview Lexington running back yeah. who's done a lot of damage this year. He's had nearly 2,000 yards on the ground this season. He was held to just 40 in this one. Wow. So we were impressed with Lee Wynn's defense against Fulton. Man, once again, they answered the test in this one, coming up with the win and really limiting what a powerful offense could do. Yeah, I, I kind of, I think we talked about this in the preview show that, you know, uh, Ridgely Lexington kind of reminded me of Forreston a little bit in the way that they run the ball. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Caden Farrell, he's an all-state running back. I believe one of their linemen is an all-stater too. So they, they're a very, you know, potent rushing attack. And I just kind of felt after, after seeing, you know, what Leland had did all year in conference against the teams that they play, the style of teams that they play um, and having played force and twice, I can only imagine that that was really good experience going into this game. Um, I, I did talk to, to my guys up there. I, I asked them, I said, you know, what, did you change something at halftime? Did you do something different? And he said, no, he, he, he didn't think that they did, that they might've just worn Ridgeview Lexington down, which again, in, in the preview show, I thought that was something that Ridgeview might be able to do a little bit because that was just kind of their MO. Um, but, but again, uh, Lee Wynn, their defense proves to be just as good as their offense in some aspects. So um, yeah, terrific job in this one uh, to, to wear a good Ridgeview team down. They had a heck of a year, great team. Uh, but uh, the, the champs are moving on, and uh, they showed why here in the semis. Yeah, quick note, I believe Caden Farrell is only a junior, so I, I, I think gotta, that's right. I, I got to imagine. I believe this team is, is pretty junior-driven, I think. So th this might not be the last time we see Ridgeview uh, playing one of our teams, possibly next year. So, um, yeah, th they'll be back because, uh, like you said, uh, Caden Farrell will be, and uh, I think quite a few of their other players are too. Yeah, so, you know, I got to imagine that we'll, we'll be hearing that name again, like you said. So, Mitch, that sets up Lena Winslow versus Carrollton in the 1A State Championship Friday on the turf in DeKalb at 10 a.m. The first game kicks, every, kicks everything off. I, I love it. I, lo I love that yep. opening eight, or I love that opening kickoff at 10 a.m. Yep. for the 1A Championship. It just sets the tone for the day. So, Mitch, let's, uh, you know, give us the rundown on Carrollton, the Hawks, heading into this matchup with Lena Winslow. Yeah. Uh, so, the Hawks coming from the – Greg, correct me if I'm saying this right, because we guessed before the show, the Western, <laughs> Illin, the Western Illinois Valley Conference. Is that right? That's right. The Western Illinois Valley Conference, the South Division. Now, Mitch, okay. truth be told, when I told yeah. you the initials WIVC, you guessed it right off the bat. You didn't even need to look it up. So, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, lucky, lucky, uh, lucky guess. A, a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, it was uh, kind of a, you know, an educated guess. You could, you could imagine yeah. what, you know, where yeah. it was coming. So, right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they're, they're no, they're no stranger to the playoffs. This is their 23rd appearance, their ninth straight appearance. Um, they have gone to uh, the state championship before and they're no uh, stranger to the NUIC. Uh, they, they are finished runner up in 2014. Of course, that was the year that Forrest in one. So, um, this, this will be their only second appearance other than that one. So looking to avenge that loss to Forrest. Um, but this year they came in, uh, as the two seed, they beat Shelbyville in round one, 47 to seven, came back in the second round, won a close game against Greenfield Northwestern, 14 to six, uh, the big game in the quarterfinals against Athens, which we all kind of thought that Athens was going to be the representative from the South this year. Uh, Carrollton said not so fast. They, they get a two-point win there. And uh, as you mentioned, they, they get to the, the state championship by, by avenging a loss from earlier this year. Or, I'm sorry, no, not avenging a loss. They beat Central A&M, uh, who was avenging a loss, but they beat them 28-14. And uh, as, as we said, they're, uh, they're back uh, for another, another try here at, at the 1A title. Yeah, Mitch, looking at, um, you know, some of their players to watch and some of the notes we've got on them. They averaged uh, 50 points per game in the regular season. And, you know, you referenced they lost to Camp Point Central in week one, and they've yep. won 12 straight. 
So, you know, that is a distant memory now. We'll talk about that in a second here. They averaged just under 400 yards per game, including 250 plus rushing yards per game. So this offense has done some work behind all state quarterback, Grant Pullman. He had four touchdowns in the semifinal game to really put that one away. But Mitch, he's not it. They got more guys on that offense that really make him dangerous. Yeah, um, just just to add to what you mentioned about Pullman, because I, I watched uh, some film on on these guys, and and boy, this is the really good offense led by Grant Pullman. He's a baseball commit, um, so you know that he can throw. Because you mentioned how many rushing touchdowns he's had. Uh, he's he's got over twelve hundred yards on the ground, twenty touchdowns rushing, but he's also got fifteen hundred yards passing and twenty touchdowns. So that's uh, just about 3,000 all-purpose yards, 40 touchdowns. So a very, very dynamic player here uh, in, in Grant Pullman, a dual threat uh, by every, you know, every definition. But he can also hand the ball off. He's got Harley Angel, who has over 1,200 yards and 20 touchdowns. Um, and, but when they are throwing, they, Lehman will have to key in on Kyle Leonard um, because he is their deep threat, their go-to guy. So, yeah, this is a very, very dynamic offense. They put up a lot of points, but they also don't allow very much. So, uh, this will be another good test for, for Lee Wynn um, because this is maybe one of the more balanced offenses. Reminds me a little bit of Fulton. I think they run a little bit with their quarterback more, but they can certainly throw it. So um, I don't think it's something that Lee Wynn hasn't seen yet, uh, but they've, but Carrollton has proved since that week one loss that they are a, a very, very good team and deserving to be here. Yeah, Fulton seems like a good comp when you're, when you're looking at this Carrollton offense. And Mitch, before we get into Lena Winslow and, and what they bring in here, we got to mention Harley Angel has to be on our all name team. That's a, that's yeah. a great, that's a good one. Or, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's just a name that is either going to sweet talk you or is going to just run you over. Um, <laughs> You're not going to forget it, it, it either he, way. I know, I know he does one based on his stats. So yeah, um, yeah that's a, it's a great, great football name. Well, Mitch, we're, we're familiar with Lena Winslow. We talk about him every week, but let's go through, you know, a little bit of the playoff history and what got him here into the state championship game. Yeah, so as we mentioned, they are uh, still the defending 1A state champions from 2019. Um, and like we talked about, too, coming into the playoffs this year with two regular season losses, that was unfamiliar territory for Lena Winslow. I think certainly a six seed was unfamiliar territory. But uh, they get Aurora Christian for the third time in a row. They, they take care of them 54-7. to seven. Familiar foe in round two. They avenged that loss in week eight, beat Forrest in 38-8. to Quarterfinals, another NUIC opponent in Fulton. Dispatch of them pretty well, 54 to 28. And as, as you recapped earlier, the semifinal win, defeating the Mustangs from Ridgeview, Lexington, 28 to 12. Yeah, so Mitch, you know, when you look at Lena Winslow, we've talked about their offense, but their defense has come on really strong. It's been there all year, but we've really noticed it in the playoffs here against some really good offenses. The lowest scoring average on defense in all of 1A, 10 points per game. So yeah. They're clearly getting the job done. They've done it all year. But like I said, I think it really stands out come playoff time when they get these really tough matchups. Um, you know, what's interesting to note is I heard uh, Coach Rick Aaron on the IHSA coaches media phone call this morning. Mm-hmm. And what really kind of stuck out to me was this Lena Winslow team, for as much as they're hyped year in and year out, they really kind of had to battle through adversity in the spring. Like a lot of teams, the spring was a little bit weird. It was a little bit different. But you look back at Jennings Dunker, who's now graduated and at the University of Iowa, was out the entire season. He was done for the year, did not play. Mari Roby, which we've recapped, got hurt in the first game of the year against Princeton. He was out all year. So I think, you know, what Coach kind of referenced about this team was just that, was that they really kind of had to solidify themselves as a team. They didn't mm-hmm. have they didn't have those standout stars going into the spring like they thought they might. And obviously, when you're a 1A school or any football team, for that matter, you bank on those guys. Those, guy, those guys that you know are your real weapons, you look for those guys to be there. And when they're not, you got to figure out some answers. And I think that's where, you know, a guy, a guy like Ethan Fye has really come into the mix and taken that and really done the work this year when Roby was still getting back up to hundred yep. percent. So, you know, those are the players to watch. We've referenced Mari Roby, Ethan Fye, Luke Benson at quarterback. And also we got to shout out Brody Mann on defense. I saw him firsthand in the Fulton game, man, that guy, that kid is everywhere on the field. I mean, he is flying the football on defense and making plays. He leads the way on their defensive side of the ball. So Mitch, let's start looking at 
kind of the matchup here. You know, yeah. head coach Rick Aaron for Lita Winslow said, you know, like a lot of games, he believes that controlling it up front will be a key. And he said that Carrollton is strong up front and that he'll need to, they'll need to shut down their running attack. And we've yeah. talked about they have multiple weapons that can run the ball being out of the quarterback position or the running back position at Harley Angel, but they run a spread offense. Carrollton runs a spread, mm-hmm. but uh, Coach Aaron kind of referenced it being a little bit like Dupec or maybe like a Fulton, like you referenced, yeah. where they'll spread you out, but they'll utilize the run game as well. And I thought it was funny that head coach Nick Flowers from Carrollton said they're a spread offense but they're not finesse. They want to be physical with you. And that's where they want to try to make, you know, where they want to try to make you pay. So that, that I think is interesting when you, you hear spread offense, but that maybe isn't the necessarily the calling card for this team. Yeah. um, And, and like you are are like uh, a coach in reference playing, playing Dupac and, and, you know, controlling Carrollton up front and stopping the run game. Well, they're just coming off of a game where that was also, I imagine, the game plan uh, with, with Caden Farrell and that Mustang offense. So, um, you know, if if there's a team that, that Lena Winslow could be paired up against because of what they've seen, I think Carrollton is it. They're, you know, a combination of teams that they've played, uh, maybe do some things a little bit better or a little bit different than others. But this is, this is not going to be a game and not going to be an offense of something that Lena Winslow is unfamiliar with. So I think that will play into their hand. Um, I think that they will be able to play with that type of defense that we've been talking about. I think that they do match up well, even if the, even if the Hawks have a couple of options because Lena Winslow has a bunch of options too. So, uh, you know, I think this will be kind of maybe like that Ridgeview game, maybe it kind of starts off slow before teams really find their footing. Um, but again, this is this is a team in Carrollton who is very, very good, but matches up very, very well with the strengths of Lena. Yeah, I think what stands out to me when I start looking at the matchup is uh, Coach Flowers for Carrollton said that he likes the matchup. And he said that up front, um, he thinks they're ready for that challenge. But he also mentioned that they're not real deep that this Carrollton team is not a real deep team. So I think what immediately worries me, if you're, if you're Carrollton, if you're, if you're looking at it from their side of things, is I would be worried if Lena's size, strength, and that physicality, will they eventually wear them out, which you've referenced already. I think that becomes something that Lena Winslow, it really works into their advantage there. Yep. And I think the obvious, the, the other factor is Mari Roby, is what do yeah. you do? What do you do to either stop him, which I don't know is possible? What do you do to slow him down or to challenge him? And, you know, Coach Flowers said that what they'll need to do is they'll need to blow up some of those lead blocks and really try to get to him quick and force him to make a decision. Now, the thing is, he's a dynamic <laughs> athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can He'll make just go that, the other way. Yeah. yeah I mean. He can make that decision very quick. But yeah. to Coach Flowers' point, don't give Mari Roby that initial burst in that yeah. huge hole, which you saw in the four, Fulton game, especially, um, you know, I saw it firsthand because I think that's where he's really dangerous. And he referenced, you know, coach referenced, they got to fly to the ball. You know, they got to have their utilize their team speed on defense and really get to the ball quickly if they want to slow down Lee win. Well, I think even going back to Mari Roby, um, just, just put him on the other side of the field, right? because you've got a backfield with Lena Winslow with Mario Roby, Luke Benson and Gage Dunker, who came up with one of the, uh, the game clinching interceptions, which side note, there is a clip of Gage Dunker giving an interview. And I, I believe he's a sophomore. And so yeah. he probably doesn't have a whole lot of, of media <laughs> exposure. And I don't want to say what he, what he said verbatim, because I don't remember it completely, but it is, it is hilarious because I think the question is posed something about playing for the seniors or something. And his answer was something to the effect of, well, I wanted to give something back because they've fed me and they've taken me places. And they it give is me rides. Perfect. Yeah. They give me rides to practice. Yeah. It is the perfect <laughs> like sophomore baby yeah. face answer you could think of. So, uh, but more, but back to the main point. Yeah. Again, not only are you going to see the same type of playmakers on offense for Lee Wynn, Carrollton's almost got to stop them two different ways because they're going to see them on both sides of the field. So 
uh, again, I, I like, I like Lee Wynn's speed to match up with Carrollton. Um, I like their athletes to match up with, uh, with the Kyle Leonard at receiver, uh, with, with their linebacking core to be able to maybe stop that quarterback, uh, from Pullman from, from, you know, getting around the edge or however they're going to play it. Um, so uh, again, I, I like how Lee Wynn matches up in this game. So I think, you know, the other thing is when you start looking at Fulton couldn't run the ball, they struggled to run the ball. So they went to the air and they had some success. Yeah. And Ridgeview Lexington didn't really have much momentum running the ball. So they tried to pass a little bit as well. They didn't have quite as much success. I don't think as Fulton did, but now the question becomes how can Grant Pullman quarterback who's been, you know, he's all stater for a reason, but he, he has been doing a lot of damage with his feet, with his legs. He can do it through the air. Do they have enough weapons in Kyle Leonard and elsewhere to do that type of damage that Fulton did? Well, that, that's my question, too, because looking at the stats that he's thrown for 20 touchdowns, uh, Pullman has thrown for 20 touchdowns, give or take 20. Kyle Leonard has 20, give or so, receiving touchdowns. So how many weapons do they have? Can yeah. you, if you stop Leonard, if, if you force Carrollton to pass and you keep Leonard in check, do they have another option? Do they have a game plan for that? I, I don't know. Um, you know, time will tell here in a couple of days. Um, but I, I, I found that interesting that he has so many, you know, re- receiving touchdowns, but it almost kind of mirrors how many that they've thrown. So, um, uh, you know, he's obviously a great receiver. He's got a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. Can Lee win stop that? Because then what does their offense look like? Yeah. And the, the other thing to look out for or to watch for is that Pullman has been prone to throw interceptions as well. I think he had double digits, inter- double okay. digit interceptions. So I think when they have aired it out, maybe sometimes it is hit or miss, but he certainly is, you know, a playmaker out there and it'll be, he'll be someone they have to account for. Yeah. I, I like I said, I watched uh, the, the game film on this um, in their game against central A&M. They, they, they can play there. There's no doubt about it, that they're, they are a, a, a deserved team to be here and going to be a good matchup for Lee win. Um, I just not to, not to put a prediction out there because we really don't do a whole lot of that. And maybe, listeners already know you know where my thoughts would be on this I just think Lee Wynn really matches up well in a game like this um because I think Carrollton's strengths can be limited because of Lee Wynn's strengths on the other side yeah and I think the word you just used Lee Wynn's strength and size and physicality how long how long can Carrollton maintain and hang with that I think in the long run I think that's that's a strength for the Panthers they will just outlast you. And they're yeah. so talented on offense that eventually they'll wear you down and they'll run past you. And I think what's interesting is we, we give a lot of attention to, you know, the big playability from Mari Roby and Ethan yes. Fai and some of these guys. But when Lee Wynn needs to, they can very effectively grind out a clock. They can yeah. run and run and run and keep the clock moving and they're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to keep possession and keep the clock rolling and keep the ball in their hands. Yeah. And you, you saw, you know, Luke Benson scoring a couple of touchdowns. And, and so they have, you know, maybe we don't give him enough credit, you know, with his legs. Um, and, and obviously they don't throw a whole lot, but he can certainly throw. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they'll be ready for this because um, Carrollton's got a really good defense. But I think that the, the, the Lee Wynn has the weapons to overcome that in more than one way. Um, and, and again, I, I just think that they match up really well here, um, uh, with, with Carrollton. Well, Mitch, we will find out everything come Friday morning yeah. at 10 AM yeah. and Mitch it's official view from the West podcast has media credentials yeah. and I'll be, I'll be walking the sidelines on Friday morning. So, uh, I'm yeah, excited I wish to I be could. there and yeah, I wish I could be there with you. Um, Hopefully this is a, you know, something that we uh, have the ability to do, uh, you know, next year and we can make a trip out of it. So uh, I'm happy for, I'm happy for, for you and, uh, and your guest in in my place. (laughs) Um, But I'll, you know, I'll be watching. I'll definitely uh, be uh, uh, overcoming, you know, Thanksgiving still on Friday morning (laughs) and I'll be posted up on the couch watching that game. Well, see, you could get the, you know, the bird's eye view, the eye from the sky, you can watch the broadcast and I'll be walking the sidelines. uh, I'll, 
Kyle Campmeyer, he'll be right there, I'm sure. So we'll be yeah. uh, we'll be walking the sidelines together. Wonderful. And yep. uh, I've brought my son along the past few weeks. This week I, I pivoted, and I actually I'm invited. I invited my dad to come along and be my intern. And I, I'm excited. I mean, I don't know about yep. you, but like I've grown up. I mean, Friday mornings usually it involved like putting Christmas lights on the house in between games. But we yeah. were watching those Friday games oh, all yeah. day long. I mean, yep. you know, my dad and then later it'd be my dad and my son and, and I. So I'm yep. excited to bring him along. He's never been to the state championship games um, in person. We've always watched on TV. So yeah. I think I think he gets a little nervous walking the sideline because he wants to make sure he looks <laughs> like he fits in. And I yeah. said, well, just just follow me and hold the battery for the camera and you'll you'll be good. You'll well, what's, well, what's good about that is all you have to do is make sure you're bundled up. And yeah. then it doesn't really matter. So yeah. as long as you're warm, nothing else matters. Yeah. He did mention like, it's going to be like really cold. I said, yeah, dad, it's going to be a little cold. Yeah. So, uh... It's going to be freezing. <laughs> have you, have you ever been to the Cal for a game? I have not, been not, not, not any game, not, not high school, but any game. Yeah. I've been there okay. several times uh, yeah. for college and for the high school one year. So yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the coldest places to watch a game it, no it, matter, it could be in July and you'd be it, cold. So. It was pretty cold the last time I was yeah. there. I will say that. Yeah. So, so 10, yeah, 10 in the morning in November uh, is no different. So <laughs> yeah. Bundle, yeah. Bundle up. Yep. All right. So yeah, we'll have uh, full coverage come Friday morning and all day throughout the day, Friday, and I'll get some highlights posted um, yep. Friday and hopefully we'll have some, winning post-game reaction from yeah. Lena Winslow and we'll, we'll celebrate a state championship from, you know, our side of the state, but uh, yeah. best of luck to both teams. It's a great way to kick off that Friday of football in the IHSA and their state championships. But Mitch, before we move into 2A through 8A and kind of look at what state championships await us, let's go back and talk about the eight man state championship game. Yeah. Between Polo and Orangeville, it was Friday night at 7 o'clock. It was at Monmouth College. Mitch, we were both kind of watching uh, sporadically. Yeah. I I got involved a little bit late in this one, but as yep. it turns out, surprisingly, I didn't miss much really for an eight-man no. game. It surprised me. Polo comes away with the win. 12-7 was the final score in this one, so just kind of a surprising yeah. final for eight-man football. Mitch, this was Polo's second straight championship game appearance. They would go on to win the back-to-back -back state championships. That's the first time it's happened in the short history of the eight-man football in the Illinois, uh, in the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. The teams did not play each other in the regular season, so that made this kind of extra intriguing heading into it. Two of the top rushing attacks in the state of Illinois. But Mitch, this game was defined by defense, especially early on. Gunnar Lobdell would break through for a 30-yard touchdown run to give Orangeville a 7-0 lead going into the break. But the big turning point, Mitch, in this game, right at the start of the second half, Broncos would hold Polo on their opening possession, march back downfield. They have a field goal attempt that is good, yep. but roughing the kicker penalty would give them a first down. Right. Then penalties of their own led Orangeville to then have to attempt a 34-yard field goal that was no good. So yeah. at one point, it looks like it's going to be a 10-0 lead. That gets wiped off thinking maybe it's going to be 14-0. And then it ends up being nothing. They get nothing out of it. Yeah, that was a weird sequence because um, the, the, kick, the kick is good. And I remember I tweeted, I said, you know, Orangeville takes a 10-0 lead. And I, I didn't quite know what had happened because all of a sudden they had the ball again. So yeah, they, you know, they had the points. They could have, they could have taken the points. They could have declined that penalty. Uh, they decided to, to accept it, to try and score, to get that maybe game defined touchdown. So credit to the Marcos for really stepping up um, and, and coming up with, like, like you said, Orangeville has some penalties, but uh, you know, a quote unquote goal line stand, at least a stand nonetheless for Polo. Cause that, you know, uh, taking that field goal might've changed the game. Certainly a touchdown would have, uh, but it ended up not being the, not being the case. Yeah, that seemed like a really critical juncture in the game. It ended up being a very critical juncture in the game. Polo would then get the spark they'd been waiting for. Avery Grenoble, a name we've called out all year long, would run for a huge 72-yard gain. Brock Soltau would add a 13-yard run, followed by Grenoble getting the Marcos on the board from four yards out with three minutes left in the third quarter. Two-point try fails, but Polo, but Polo would cut the lead to 7-6. So Orangeville still held the 7-6 lead at that point. Teams would later exchange turnovers. 
And then it was Polo that was able to capitalize on one of those turnovers. Tyler Meridian would connect on a couple passes to move the ball downfield. That set up Grenoble from two yards out. That gave Polo the 12-7 lead with four minutes, about five minutes left in the game. And that would do it. That would that would be the yeah. final score. 12-7. Polo holds on to get the win, the comeback win. So like we said, the Marcos claimed their second I-8FA state championship, their second in a row. They've gone 28-2 and two over the past three seasons. And in both seasons that had playoffs, they've gone undefeated 25-0. and 0. So, yeah. man, when, there's, when, when it's been available for a playoff run, they've made it happen. They've gotten the job done and played really well. Yeah, this this was like you said, it was kind of a weird game in the first half because I was I was impressed with with Orangeville's size advantage in this game. Um, and so I think that's it's really more of a credit to Polo, I guess, um, because that first half was and oddly, it was like both teams couldn't advance any further than the 40. It was like they were stuck within <laughs> 10 yards of midfield for for the entire first half. It, it was it was bizarre. Um, and I think. Uh, you know, when you caught the game, it, it kind of seemed to me that Polo might have just warmed down a little bit, and it and it got to got Polo enough time to find that rhythm that they had been looking for. Um, like you said, they they took the lead with about four minutes left. If I'm not mistaken, there was it was under two minutes to go, and I think they had like a third and thirteen to to uh, convert, and they ended up doing it, and that was what allowed them to run out the clock. So. Um, yeah, all the credit to Polo. It was not looking good for them. And, uh, you know, it, it caps off just an unbelievable year. Uh, unbelievable, you know, two full seasons, I guess, going back to 2019. So congrats to them. Not, not a lot of teams can say that they've won back-to-back titles in any class. Uh, and certainly, like you said, when they've, uh, you know, being 25-0 and 0 and being unbeaten, um, pretty, pretty impressive. So uh, congrats to the Marcos. And also congrats to Orangeville, you know, first season in eight-man. Um, they showed that they were a really good team. Uh, you know, Gunnar Lobdell, man, what a, what a career he had. So, uh, congrats to them. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward, Greg, to this being recognized by the IHSA. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, congratulations to two great NUIC football programs playing each other in a great state championship game. Mitch, we saw some of the tweets and some of the coverage from Kyle from NUICfootball.com talking about the, you know, number of different communities that were there, people from a number of different surrounding small communities that were there to support eight-man football and to watch this game. And he just said it was such a cool atmosphere and that the crowd was into it. It was a good-sized crowd at Monmouth College. I think all these things, Mitch, Let's. what do we got to do to petition to get the IHSA to see this and say, yes, bring it in with the other eight state championship games that we have in 11-man. Let's get it going. Let's Let's make this an IHSA sanctioned sport. Yeah, I mean, you you started it off. You 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 uh, tagged just about everybody you could find with IHSA, uh, you know, trying to get this. And I hope it's, you know, I hope it's on an agenda somewhere. I hope it's on, you know, I hope it's not on a back burner, but I hope it's on the stove, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, because yeah, it's it's time, and we've talked about it before. This is only going to expand. You know, they're only going to have you know what the playoffs is what sixteen teams. Um, you know, hard to say, you know, there's already some, you know, conference realignment going on in the NUIC. There's possibly going to be some other teams either going to be looking at consolidation or trying to do anything that they can to stay afloat as a program. So this is not going to be the end of eight, man. It's only going to, it's only the beginning. It's only the third season. There's only going to be more and more teams the way that, uh, you know, uh, things are, are, are progressing with, with enrollments and things. Um, there's only going to be more eight man teams. So yeah, let's, let's do everything we can uh, to get this recognized because these teams deserve it. They, they certainly do. Yep, absolutely. So that put, that's a wrap on the, uh, on the eight man uh, talk for this season, Mitch, we're, we're going to wrap it up that, that yeah. does it for eight man, but plenty of other awesome football to talk about. Mitch, we're going to quickly run through on this podcast and kind of talk about the games that are the state championships from 2A through 8A and kind of what led into those games. But Mitch, more importantly, we got to promote the bonus episode that's out this week. Oh yeah. Mitch, tell them about our bonus episode. This is your idea and it's, it's great. It's going to be, it's, it's awesome. Our bonus yeah. episode that's also out this week, 
for our state championship game previews. Yeah. So what we're going to do um, for, for listeners who have been with us for a while, um, we're, we're, we're very big into uniforms. We're very big, big into aesthetics. So with, with really only one game that kind of captures our attention, so to speak, um, but still wanting to be uh, a source of, of information uh, for, for anybody that's interested throughout the state. Cause Greg, we're almost to 900 followers now. I, I had to think there's some, you know, out of market listeners here, but yep. So we want to be able to kind of cover uh, the rest of the games, the rest of the state championships. And the only way that we know, because I'm not really interested in finding out about their players and how good they are. <laughs> I'm only going to judge this on how good they look. So we're going to go through uh, 1A through 8A. We're going to, pre- we're going to, first of all, we're going to explain and, and show this will be a video um, that we're going to be able to show images of the team's uniforms. We have an idea of what they're going to be wearing. So kind of, uh, you know, nail it down as, as close as we can. We're going to break down the uniforms and then we're going to break down the game based solely on how they look and make our projections. So um, I'm really looking forward to this. I blew off a lot of work putting the, the list together. <laughs> um, so yeah, looking forward to having that come out uh, this week too. Well, of 900 followers, hopefully your boss isn't one of them. So <laughs> I, I oof, yeah, that's, that's going down a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. <laughs> yeah. So to anyone listening to this, depending on when you're listening This episode, as always, will be out, is out on late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. The uniform, the UniView state championship preview video and podcast will be out on Tuesday night or maybe like Wednesday morning. So look for that on Twitter or go to YouTube and search View from the West podcast and you'll find it. Um, I'm excited. It's it's a great episode. You're going to want to check it out. If you're a uniform person or not, even if you're not a uni person, yeah, listen in. You'll find some nuggets of information. We'll give you some good stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll predict the game with the only information that you need to know. So that's it, right. It, it can, if, if this was a betting game, I don't know why you need any for any more information than what we're going to give. <laughs> All right. Well, Mitch, let's go through the state championship games real yeah. quick here and kind of what led up to them. Obviously, we've talked about Lena Winslow will be taking on Carrollton in the state championship game in Class One A. Lena's seeking their fifth state championship. Carrollton seeking their first state title. They finished runner-up in 2014. Mitch in Class 2A, Wilmington 13-0, takes on the number six seed from the Southern Bracket, Nashville at 12-1. Wilmington got the convincing win over Tri-Valley. But Mitch, we got to talk about the game down in Nashville against Twitter St. Teresa. Tweet of the year, Greg. I think this is our most, uh, our most interactions, no question about it. Yeah, I was watching the game and just as it unfolded, I was like, man, I got to tweet this out. This is, this is amazing. This is what you live for this time of year. So Nashville gets the 37 35 win over Decatur St. Teresa, a really good program. We've talked a lot about the Hornets were losing 35 21 with about eight minutes left in the game. They scored, they scored to make it 35 28. They recover an onside kick. They immediately connect on a huge 52-yard passing play for a touchdown. That brings it to 35-34, but the extra point is blocked. Oh! So they're they're still losing 35-34. They recover a second onside kick immediately. So the kicker (laughs) who just had his kick blocked then goes back out there, gets his second onside kick. They don't convert on this one. They end up losing the ball, giving it back to St. Teresa but they would come up with a huge fourth down stop in their own territory. They then march back downfield and Eduardo Garibay, a foreign exchange student for Nashville comes up with the 24 yard field goal. He said it was said it was the biggest kick of his life in the biggest game of his life. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So like I said, he also was the same kicker executing the onside kicks. Mitch, when you watch the video, yeah, that's what high school football is all about. I mean, there are people everywhere, five deep, everywhere, five deep around the around the end zone, around the sidelines. The stands are packed. It's a beautiful afternoon. It's it, that place erupted yes. as Nashville made that comeback. That atmosphere, yeah. unbelievable. You're not going to find any better. Yeah, that that's such a cool uh, clip that you that you got. Um, and I, I think I said to you, I said this about, about this game and then the next game that we talked about in Byron, 
where it's so cool to see the fan videos and seeing the perspective and, and hearing, you know, as close to the noise as possible. Um, cause, cause obviously the video that you got was, uh, was from a camera from the yep. TV. So, yep. But when you watch games captured or, or highlights captured from the phone at that moment, like it just gives you chills. It's so cool. So, um, what an unbelievable way to win. I, they, they were down 35, 21 with yeah. eight minutes left I yeah. mean, against a great good. football team. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that's, you know, they're going to have to do it again uh, because Wilmington's a very, very good team, but that yeah. was, that was so cool. That whole community will remember that no matter what happens in this game, they're going to remember that St. Teresa game for, for as long as they can remember. Yep. For sure. Bulldogs. So going into that, Decatur St. Teresa had won 18 straight games. Get yeah. this, Mitch. Their last loss being to Nashville in the 2019 semifinals. Wow. So, wow. I mean, <laughs> Nashville has their number, I guess. Full, yeah, full circle. Because that yeah. was, you know, we talked about St. Teresa. They beat, they beat a good Dupac team. So we, we even thought we would see them again. And, and not, you know, not playing one of our teams, but they certainly uh, are make, the, make the news here. So, um, yeah, what a, what a game. That was so cool. So they're going up against Wilmington. So Wilmington won a 3A state title in 2014. It's their 25th consecutive playoff appearance. They're third in the title game. As for Nashville, it's their second consecutive 2A title game. They made it back in 2019. They finished runner-up that year to Newman. They also finished runner-up in 3A in 1998. So, yep. uh, you know, that's your, that's your 2A matchup. That Wilmington team, man, they, they run – a lot. They run, run, run. They're a wildcat type offense. They're a dynamic team. I, I'm excited to watch that one just because Nashville has so much momentum coming into this one, but that one should be a fun game in class two A. Yeah. The the Wildcats running the Wildcat. That, so there you go. Speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you know, for, for listeners, uh it, unfortunately if you're from Newman, you'll remember Wilmington because they uh they defeated Newman 42 to 7 or, or something in the second round or something like that. So uh a team that if you can dispatch a team like Newman, uh, you're pretty, you're pretty good. So this will be, this will be a good matchup. But like you said, Nashville has all the momentum, all the confidence. That'll be a good one. Yep. Well, let's move into class three, a Mitch in class three, a it's the battle of undefeated yeah. and top ranked teams. Byron, the number one seed on the North side of the bracket, going up against the number one seeded Tolono unity on the South side of the bracket, 13 and 0 versus 13 and 0. Unity Unity defeated Mount Carmel 28 to 21 to advance in a close game. But Mitch, all the headlines are coming from the Byron win over yep. IC Catholic for the second week in a row. Byron wins in the final seconds of a game. Yep. This one was a thriller. They so they had beaten Reed Custer a week before on a last second touchdown. This game, they're down 14 nothing with four minutes left in the game. They score a touchdown. They get a pass and catch in the back of the end zone. Just a great play by the wide receiver from Byron to keep his feet in bounds and to get to haul the ball in. That makes it 14-7. And stop if you've heard this before. They recover an onside kick, just yeah. like Nashville. So they recover the onside kick. They march back downfield. Senior Chandler Binkley scores a touchdown on fourth down with like nine seconds left in the game, a three-yard touchdown run. Sorry, five seconds left in the yeah, game. Right. They add the game-winning two-point conversion to get the 15 to 14 win. Unbelievable. And Mitch, actually, earlier in that quarter, Byron had actually been stopped at the IC Catholic five-yard line on a fourth down play in the early part of the fourth quarter. So, you know, deja vu, and they got the job done the second time. But Mitch, you, you talked about the sideline video that you saw yeah. that we, we both ended up retweeting it because we liked it so much. Right. Unbelievable atmosphere again. Yeah. So there, there's a video and I don't quite remember who, who had it, um, but it's right at the goal line. And so it, it covers the whole sequence of the touchdown run all the way through the, the conversion. And what I like most about it, Greg, is, is obviously the, the, the crowd reaction to both scores. After they score, there is almost no hesitation from Byron that they were going to go for it. There's no timeout. There's no discussing it. You know, a, a player goes over to the coach, gives them the play. They're back in the huddle. So I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, you, when, you're, you, when your back's against the wall against a team like IC Catholic, 
you're going for the win. And I, you, you just love it. Like you said, two straight weeks, they, they beat Reed Custer with nine seconds left on a pass. And then they win with five seconds left here uh, against IC. So they, the roller coaster, you know, emotions uh, for this team continue. And uh, they're going to the state championship for the third straight year. So, you know, uh, congrats to Byron. This was, this was fun. Yeah. I actually saw some post-game interviews with Byron's head coach. And he said, um, you know, he told them that when they scored that touchdown, he said, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get this onside kick. We're going to go down. We're going to score a touchdown. We're going to go for two and we're going to win the game. And he looked at his players and said, are we doing that? Are we in yep. for that? And he looked at his seniors and his seniors are in. That's, that's yep. what they wanted to do. And like you said, when, you, when you're down 14 nothing late in the game and then you find yourself on the doorstep of winning on the road, you yeah. just go for it. You you just lay all your, you know, put it's, all your yeah, chips in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's a it's kind of a, a, a pun or it's it's irony, but like what do you have to lose, right? Like other than the game, what do you have to lose? So um yeah, you love it. You don't second guess that. That's how you're going to win or you're gonna lose. Works out for Byron um and beat a really good icy Catholic team. So um yeah, this this was so much fun and I loved seeing those highlights. So, Mitch, that sets up the Byron versus Tolono Unity matchup. This is Tolono Unity's sixth championship game appearance. They finished runner-up all five of their previous tries. And yeah. on the opposite side, you referenced, this is the third consecutive 3A state title appearance for Byron, and they finished runner-up in 18 and 19. So, Mitch, something's got to give here on these, on these two teams. Somebody's going to walk away with a state title. Yeah, and, and you know, Byron, they lost to Williamsville and Monticello, both games by four points. So um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about Byron. They're used to playing close games. So hopefully this time around, uh, you know, for them, that they can maybe uh, be on the, the winning side of this because that seems to be their, uh, their momentum the past two weeks. So, yeah, but good to see, like you said, one of the teams is going to come away their first ever state championship. So, uh, yeah, this will be a good one. All right, Mitch, before we jump into Class 4A, I do want to take a little, a little time out and discuss some things that I saw on Twitter this week, not necessarily in reaction to our discussion about non-boundary or private schools, but just kind of discussion in general, because naturally we discussed IC Catholic. Byron gets the win over IC Catholic. My, I guess my, my argument was never that it's impossible for a public right. school to win that game. My argument is, and it still holds whether they win or lose, they have a distinct advantage because right. of where they're located and who they're, who they're recruiting. I still feel that way, regardless, win or lose. Yeah, I, I think when I think I had mentioned to you, I said it kind of defeats our argument a little bit, um, but I, I don't think we're wrong. Um, but maybe we didn't give the public schools the credit that they – you know, deserves. Um, the flip side of that, you saw on Friday, the Rochester uh, Sacred Heart Griffin game, where they're in the same predicament, you know, despite Rochester being a, a, a very, very good public school program, they're still going up against the Sacred Heart team that probably should have been playing at a higher class, um, just based on who they've played, their history, you know, things like that. So, so yes, it can happen. It does happen. It has happened, but it, I don't feel like it happens as much as, as the private schools win. So um, again, yeah, we, we ate a little bit of crow, I think on this, but I think it was more of the Byron's saying, no, we can still win. Not that, you know, IC shouldn't have been playing in 3A. It was more of the public school team saying, no, 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 we got it. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we were wrong. Uh, you know, the, this multiplier will work itself out after this COVID kind of break. Um, so, yeah, both sides can, can I guess, hold, hold court for now, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I just think that I think the argument still holds that they they have an advantage, you know, being in in the smaller classes going up against smaller communities. But credit to Byron and credit to Nashville and 
um, you right. know, going down the list of, you know, who I can't remember off the top of my head, whoever beat Bishop McNamara. I mean, it, you know, they, there are, there are teams getting the job done. So right. um, it can be done. I don't think I ever indicated that it was impossible, but um, you know, we'll move along into class four a and Mitch, <laughs> you know, as we move along, we now have the names sacred heart Griffin versus Joliet Catholic in class four yeah. a. So, you know, some powerhouse programs, non-boundary private schools, but either way, powerhouse IHSA football programs going up against each other. Sacred Heart Griffin, 12 and one going up against 13 and 0 Joliet Catholic. Mitch, me and you were watching the Leonard Bull, Sacred Heart Griffin versus Rochester. SHG rallied from a 25 to seven second quarter deficit and knocked off Rochester 49 to 42. This, I mean, this game was hyped up, Mitch, and it it yeah. led to the hype. You watched almost the whole thing. Yeah. You know, t- take me through it. This was an exciting game. Yeah. Like you said, the Leonard Bull, father versus son, they, they played in the, uh, in the regular season. I want to say it was week four and Rochester won something like 45, 41, something like that. So you knew kind of what was going to entail uh, here. But Rochester started off really fast. They, they got a quick score. They got a, uh, it was almost a pick six. Um, and they really had, uh, Sacred Heart Griffin's number in the first quarter before they figured it out. But um, if if you're a fan of Illinois football, like like the University of Illinois football, good news is on the way because Rochester has a player named Hank Beatty who was awesome. Like <laughs> they put him at quarterback, and no offense to him, but he will not play quarterback uh, in college. He is just a bowling ball, fast, versatile player. He was all over the field. I don't know how many touchdowns he had. Um, there, there was a great article after the game because he got banged up pretty good. He came out for a little bit, came back in to try and rally in the fourth quarter. So um, it was a it was a really fun game to watch, just back and forth. Um, but but Sacred Heart got the better of them uh, with uh, with little time left, and they're moving on. So I picked this game up late when Sacred Heart Griffin was rallying. Junior quarterback Ty Lott found a connection with junior receiver Kyle Long. Long scored the go-ahead touchdown. This was an amazing catch. Yeah. All thrown into the end zone, and he almost, like, fights it out of the defender's arms in midair, lands with the ball in the end zone. That gave the Cyclones a 42-39 to 39 lead with, four, with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Long would later secure a 17-yard touchdown catch, but, man, it – it just looked so much more, so much bigger than 17 yards yeah. because he caught the ball as like a screen pass right at yeah. the line of scrimmage. And man, he made one guy miss and got to the edge. What a play. It's just crazy to watch it happen. Yeah. He probably ran like 40 some yards, but that, that reminded me of, of what something that Rochester was doing. And I don't know if they did this late in the game, but they, they have formations that almost look like a re, like old arena league formations. They would put a receiver 15 yards back and you can't, you can't motion him forward. They would take a snap and either he was a decoy or they would literally just throw it down the line and he would catch it in stride. Wow. I've never seen it before. Um, They didn't do it a lot in terms of giving that player the ball, but they would line him up. Literally he would be, he would be wide, wide out and he would be 15 yards back. And it was just, I'd never seen that before. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that create that play would give the would keep the lead, would move it up to 49 to 39 with about five minutes left. They go on to win 49-42. So yeah. great win in a in an epic game. It lived yeah. up to the hype. You know, it it always seems to down there, but uh, that game yeah. certainly lived up to the hype. So SHG advances. They're in the state championship game going up against Joliet Catholic. Joliet Catholic did trail early in their semifinal game, but they would go on to win 35 to 18. Looking at Joliet Catholic, it's their 42nd playoff appearance, their 19th state title (laughs) game. Mitch, they've won 14 state championships and four runners up, the last one being in 2018. So what a resume! Not far behind necessarily Sacred Heart Griffin, 11 state title games, five titles, five runner-ups. Their last title was in 2014. So this is the, you know, this is the battle of the heavyweights. You know, when you're looking at 
the names of the names in IHSA yeah. football. These are, these are it. These are the names. Yeah. yeah. Two, two, if you, if you had to come up with, I don't know, eight pillars of IHSA football, these two would be included in those eight for sure. Um, and this will be a fun nightcap on Friday. This will be under the, under the lights. The seven o'clock I think is the game on Friday night. So um, if you can, if you can watch that, this will be a fun game. Um, and yeah, like, like we just talked about two, two historic programs. So regardless of the class, regardless of the argument, this will be a cool game to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're going to be uh, back home with my back yeah. in my hometown with my parents yeah. and there might be a parade like Friday night. So I'm a little worried. I may not catch all this one. Maybe, maybe we get home for the second half. For, and I can... for what? A Christmas parade the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's oh what, yeah. God. Yeah. Goodness. And here's the thing okay. though. Now I'm starting to get more allies on my side. Casey, my son will want to go home and watch it. My dad yeah. will want to watch it and I'll want yeah. to watch it. So may, you know, maybe you build up, yeah. <laughs> build up a Sorry little back. momentum to get, to get watching it. So that's the class 4A state championship game. That should be a good one. Mitch, let's flip to Saturday, the state championship games for the big schools that'll take place on Saturday in class 5A. Oak Park Fenwick goes up against Kankakee. Kankakee yeah. defeats Morton 41 to 14 to advance to the state championship game for the first time in school history. So it's the first time the Kankakee's been there. It's also the first time that Fenwick's been there. So yeah. again, kind of one of those matchups where something's got to give. Somebody's going to yeah. walk away with their first state championship in school history. Mitch, before we move along into class 6A, we got to give a shout out to Morton running back Seth Glatz. After the K's took a 6-0 lead, Kankakee goes up 6-0 on the first play from scrimmage. You know, you talk about, you know, just a dagger to the momentum to start right. a game. He immediately returns the kickoff 95 yards to take a 7-6 lead. This is nothing that, you know, was surprising to Morton fans no. or should no. be surprising to anybody. Kankakee would hold him in check. But he finished the game with 186 yards. Yeah, hold him in check for hold him in check for 186 yards on 37 carries and two touchdowns. Mitch Seth Glatz ends his regular season with 3,250 yards and 47 touchdowns. Yeah, according to Max Preps, going into this past week, he was the leading rusher in the nation in high school yeah. football. Yeah. Dan Pearson had tipped me off. He's covering sports down in the central Illinois area. Now he tipped me off about this a few weeks ago. And I meant, I forgot to mention it last week, but what yeah. a season for this kid. Unbelievable numbers. Yeah. I, I saw some highlights from him. I, I don't know if he's, if he's committed or what class he is, but yeah, he's a special player. So um, great season for Morton, you know, on his back. Cause that's, it's hard to, <laughs> it's completely, it's almost impossible to fathom that many yards, that many touchdowns, um, and then losing by 30 points in a semifinal. So Kankakee's uh, pretty good. There'll be a fun matchup with Fenwick. But, yeah, Seth Glass, great season. Uh, congrats to you because uh, that's number one in the nation, you know, maybe. Yeah, un unbelievable numbers, unbelievable season. But huge credit to Kankakee. The Kankakee Ks have looked really good. Literally, Mitch, they look really good. Their uniform is awesome. That's a tease. That's a tease. Go out, go out to YouTube and find the view from the West, the UniView state championship game previews. Cause they're one of the teams I'm, I'm liking a lot. They're going up against Fenwick who also has a pretty good look. Yeah, sure. And Mitch fun fact, Fenwick's quarterback, Caden Cobb follows me on Twitter. So there you go. He's listening. <laughs> He's listening. Be careful yes. with your picks. Be careful with your picks. That's, yeah. So he was uh, at one point a Northwestern recruit. So somehow I started sure. following along because I was excited. I thought he was going to, you know, go to the Wildcats, but yep. he, he did not go that way. But either way, he's having a great season. So Fenwick's yep. in the state championship game. Mitch, let's go into 6A. This matchup is really intriguing to me. Of these big mm -hmm. school matchups, this one is the one that really stands out, I think. Kerry Grove, 13 0, the top seed, going up against East St. Louis. Now, East St. Louis is 11 and 2. But Mitch, we'll talk about we'll talk about their record here. Yeah, they're the defending six A state champs. They their only two losses are to out of state teams that are nationally ranked. So right. they you talk about a challenging schedule. They've gone above and beyond that and really made it 
you know, really made it something. Yeah, I think they played uh, – they went to Florida and Mississippi to play teams. Um, and I, Did they go to California and beat whoever they played out there? Or uh, they, they, went to Calif- they went to California and Florida. I think one was uh, Bosco. I know, they went to Missis- I, w- I know they went to Mississippi, so maybe they won that game. Okay, and they um, lost to IMG Academy in right. Florida, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean, a, a national powerhouse. So, right. East St. Louis is in the discussion as maybe one of the best teams in the nation. They got to prove it in the state of Illinois against Kerry Grove. Kerry Grove got the 40 to seven win over Lake Forest. Mitch, I saw a tweet just today. Kerry Grove's head coach, Brad Seberg, says their starting defense has given up just one touchdown all season. Their offense has not punted at all in the playoffs. You like that? So, I mean, all that being said, they're still probably considered the underdog in this game. Right. They're undefeated and those kind of numbers, and they may be considered the underdog. East St. Louis, future Missouri Tiger, Luther Burden III, he had two punt returns of 91 and 75-yard touchdowns, respectively, in their semifinal win over Crete Moni. That was really the, the difference in that one. East St. Louis has also had two shutouts in the playoffs. So this is just a really good football team, but two really good football teams going up against each other. Yeah, Kerry Grove has not scored under 36 points in any game so far. Um, and they really they really get past that threshold pretty easily. So I imagine that, like uh, like Coach was saying, I, I would imagine their second string defense comes in pretty early in the game. Um, but, yeah, this will be this will be a lot of fun. East St. Louis, obviously dynamic uh, of a team, 11-2 and two record that you could just throw out the window because, you know, um, <laughs> they are who they are, the defending – Six eight champions, eight titles to their name. So, uh, yeah, this will be a lot of fun and uh, see if the Trojans can uh, uh, can kind of re- redo uh, or, or get back to the same glory they had in 2018 when they won the 6A title. Yep. So, Kerry Grove is making their sixth title game appearance. They've won two state titles, the last one being in 2018. East St. Louis, their 12th title game appearance. They've won eight state titles. They're the defending state champions. That one's going to be a great one. Mitch, looking at Class 7A, Wheaton North, 12-1, and going up against Chicago St. Rita. Wheaton North, their fourth title game appearance. They've won all three previous tries, but the last one was in 1986, so it's it's been a while. But um, St. Rita, their fourth title game appearance. They won both times previously as well. The last one in 2006. They finished runner-up in 5A in 2019. So that's your Class 7A matchup. In class 8A, Lockport 12 and 1. Are they the Porters, Mitch? The Lockport Porters? That's a, okay. That's a good discussion because I want to, I wonder okay. what a porter, okay. I wonder what a porter is. Because if my if my knowledge of the English English language is correct, a porter was someone who was on a ship or on a plane who would like make sure the luggage or the cargo was in place. Um okay. Their their logo seems to be more nautical, so I yes. don't I don't know. It's not intimidating, <laughs> I, yeah. So I don't know, um, but yeah, they are the porters. I like the nickname, but when you really kind of get down to the definition, it's like what? <laughs> the so the Lockport Porters, and we already referenced the Kankakee K's. So a couple different uh, we'll get, yeah play, play we'll on get words into that there in the uh, in that other episode. So Lockport won. 8A state titles in 2002 and 2003, but they're back for the first time in a while, and they'll go up against Park Ridge, Maine South at 12-1. and So that's your 8A matchup, Mitch. Yeah, Maine South has six titles to their name, so um, this will be their 10th appearance. They they have six six uh, six titles, three runner-ups, so uh, no, uh, no stranger to – Champagne or DeKalb for that matter. But uh, yeah, this will be a fun game in 8A. Two really good teams. Lockport upset Loyola. Loyola looked unstoppable and, and Lock, uh, Lockport beat them. So um, this will this will be a fun game to end the weekend on, on Saturday underneath the lights. Yep. So that is your look at everything. 1A through 8A. There's your matchups. There's everything going on Friday and Saturday. If you like the previews, and if you like uniforms, I encourage everyone. Who doesn't? Dep- <laughs> that's right. Depending on depending on when you're listening to this, the UniView state championship game previews, those will be on. That'll be in a bonus episode. You can listen to it 
but I highly encourage that you go to YouTube, search View from the West podcast. You'll find it posted there. Like I said, depending on when you listen, that'll be posted on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, but that's going to be a ton of fun. Mitch, we're going to give predictions. Each of us will give our prediction for each class, one through 8A, based on one criteria, the only criteria that really matters. Mitch, let them know what it is. It will only be who has the better look. So we, we know what they're going to be wearing. Uh, we think there could be some al- you know alternative jerseys coming out, but uh, we'll, we'll show what they're going to wear, and we're going to pick a game based primarily on what they're going to look like. And, and I got to give a plug. If you're at all interested in this, go check it out. Mitch has done some real heavy lifting here. I mean, we got like some said, information here. Like I said, I blew off a lot of work um, <laughs> to do this, and I enjoyed every single second of it. Well, the listeners and I appreciate it. Thank you so much to everyone who listens, to everyone who's followed along on Twitter all season long. That'll do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week, hopefully talking about a state championship win for Lena Winslow, and we'll kind of break down the state championship title games and what we saw and what stood out to us. But still a lot of fun football to talk about and a lot of uniform football to talk about. So check out that bonus episode as well. Mitch, thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you next week after the state championships. Yep, sounds good. Can't wait. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.